you said you'd come. Lawrence, hope you're not too late. We know each other. He's a friend from work. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 53 of the Wulong Talks podcast. My name is Jason. I'm the host of the show, as you know. And this week, I'm joined by my partner in crime, Mr. Rich Kid, a.k.a. The Rustling Kid, a.k.a. Rich Reviews. Rich Reviews, say what's up, man. Yeah, what's happening, people? Cool. And we're back with another episode, man. Um, if you're joining us for the first time, welcome. Um, where have you been all this time? I don't know. Um, but we're glad to have you. We're glad to have you. So welcome. Um, and for those of you returning to us, thanks a lot for coming back and enjoying the show, man. Um, Rich, how you been, man? You been all good? Yeah, not too bad, man. In fact, like, yeah, pretty pretty good, to be honest. Um, I finally got into, um, what's it called? Uncharted, The Lost Legacy, if I mean. so I've been banging that out, man. Um, yeah, yeah I, mean, I keep getting yeah. the notifications on my PS4. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, oh, Richard just found hidden, like, trophy number two. 2015 or something of that what <laughs> listen i i feel i'm like a i'm like a black indiana jones like up in here. <laughs> well black okay sorry black female indiana jones because the characters <laughs> that you're playing that they, they, they're like you know they're female and they're and they're, they're some form of color but I'm, I'm just loving it like i'm so happy but a shout out to monica um so i'm, I'm so happy that she got me this game for like a secret santa like what nearly mm. a year ago so yeah cool yeah, man yeah, but cool, apart from cool. that, that's it really Good, good, good. Um, be watching anything interesting on TV and anything like that? Um, no. Uh, in fact, tell a lie. Give me two seconds. Hmm. What's up? Yeah. Nothing. You okay? Yeah. Okay, okay. So that's obviously Luca wanted to get involved in the action. Uh, I finished Jessica <laughs> Jones season two, which I'm really, really, I was really, really impressed with. I, I can't even lie. I mean, we're gonna do another. We're gonna do, do another show, obviously, like just going through it in a lead-up to um, Iron Fist Season 2 and, and hopefully the AW Season 3 at the end of the year at some point. But, um, yeah, uh, I, I, I purposely didn't watch it just because of the bad taste that Iron Fist Season 1 and Defenders Season 1 left, left in my mouth. But I was like, you know what, let me just, let me just peep it because I'm, I'm already invested in this franchise already. And, um, and I was generally, generally impressed. Like, um, I'm actually upset that I left it a bit too long. So I've now got that fire in me that I will basically go and watch um, Punisher Season 1. So hmm. I'll be up to date on the the Netflix MCU. Nice, nice. They um recently finished uh, filming Punisher season two. Apparently, I saw. So yeah, um, I imagine we'll get be getting at some point early next year. So I'm looking forward to that. Mm. Um, yeah, listeners, as you know, I mean, we we haven't really done our reviews yet for the uh, Netflix TV shows, Marvel TV shows, as yet. Um, we've just been kind of trying to catch up on everything, along with you know trying to balance our busy lives, but. Uh, we're getting there. We're, we're getting there. A Luke Cage season two review will be coming very soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and as Rich said, we'll be doing a Jessica Jones season two rundown as well. Um, because like you, Rich, I'm, I'm a fan of the season. I, uh, you know, I, when it came out, there was a lot of negativity around the show. 
um, mm. and a lot of people quite critical of of the show in general. And I, I felt a lot of the criticism was unwarranted. And I, I wrote a blog post about it on our website. Um, if you haven't been to our website before, it's www.wulongtalks.com. Um, yeah. You could check it out there. And, um, you know, I felt I felt a lot of the criticism was, as said, was unwarranted. I felt that it did um, a lot of the things right, that it, it got right in the first season, it did again in the second season. So, yeah. you know, if you enjoyed those things about it in the first season, where's the problem? Um, yeah, okay, you know, the, the vi main kind of villain and the way that was played was perhaps not as standard and as linear as you normally get with a comic book adaptation, but there's nothing wrong with, you know, trying to change direction, especially when you're in your second season. I don't think you can just continue doing exactly the same thing. And, you know, that's something that we discussed that we both enjoyed about Luke Cage season two, was that they tried to do something a little bit differently. They kind of, they learned from the things that, that didn't work in the first season and said, okay, let's try and do this. And, you know, for the most part, it worked great. So, yeah, I was a bit confused by people's reaction to that. But um, as I said, we'll, we'll do a full podcast and we'll break it all down and um, talk about all the things we liked and we didn't like. Uh, for me personally, the, the the most kind of geeky thing I guess I've done recently is watch uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, um, which I, I quite enjoyed. Uh, I didn't enjoy it as much as the first movie, um, but as a whole, I, I still found it an enjoyable kind of romp um, as the Ant-Man movies are, are turning out to be. Uh, and we did a non-spoiler review for it as well on this podcast. So if you want to have a listen to that because you haven't seen that man and what's yet and you're undecided, you can take that uh, take a, a second to check that out on our podcast. Just head to our podcast feed wherever you found this uh, podcast recording and it'll be listed under there as Is It Worth a Tenor uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp Review. Okay, um, well, let's crack on, mate, shall we? Because um, we were having a, a chat, Rich and I, uh, earlier this week. And we were kind of talking about um, movies and the movie business and and the desire for you know franchises and how the the ways in which kind of franchises have changed the the way that we as a cinema you know viewing public enjoy movies and watch movies and experience them. Um, and we were wondering you know why some franchises work and why some don't and how you know franchise power bases have shifted a lot because of the way fans have reacted to certain things so we're going to do an episode where we're going to try and explain some of the things around franchises because i think a lot of people who are now getting into to movies um in particular because of some of the popular franchises that are in cinemas at the moment really don't understand what that phrase means and and kind of how these things work so we'll try our best as as fans and as long well long-running film fans and, and students of the game to to try and answer some of those questions and and look into all of that but first of all we'll touch up real quick on some of the movie snippets and and tv snippets of, of news that have come out recently um firstly we'll talk about the news that broke uh sometime last week uh, about the actress Ruby Rose being cast as Batwoman in a Batwoman TV series, which um, is being planned for release at uh, some point next year, I believe. Um, so Ruby Rose has been cast in the role. And um, here's something you won't be surprised to learn, Rich. Um, yeah. She's left Twitter because she got a whole heap of abuse on Twitter when her casting was announced. Mm. Um, and she's disabled her Instagram comments because, again, people have been basically acting like dickheads towards yeah. her 
Um, in terms of like the the Ruby Rose news, I mean, I have my my own opinion, which I'll get into with with Ruby Rose. But in terms of your kind of take on it, I mean, number one, I guess, were you happy with her casting? Um, and number two, you know, do you think that Batwoman can really work as a, a solo TV show? Um, well, is it going? Is it going to be? It, it is a solo TV show, or is it like she's going to be get her own show off? What's it called? Off the Arrow. Well, basically, yeah, she'll be part of the, the uh, of, of of the Arrowverse. She's going to be introduced as a character, um, yeah. some point in Arrow um, around, I think, November or December. They were saying of this year. Mm. Um, so she will be firstly introduced in in that show, um, yeah. but then her spin-off show will will basically be her own, um, you know, her own solo series. Mm. Okay, uh, you know what. Uh, I'm, I'm talking to Uncle Jason. You want to say hello? Okay, cool. Uh, no, 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 no. Jason, give me two seconds. In fact, listeners and Jason, give me a second. Give that yeah. to me, Luca. Yeah, we're going to take it away on our trip. Upstairs. Why? Because I'm, I'm talking. I'm on the phone. Sorry, dude. Upstairs, not outside. It's cold. Upstairs, not outside, please. Okay. All right. Um. Yeah. I'm a Ruby Rose fan. Uh. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm. I don't think she's like the best of actresses. But that wasn't what that wasn't her forte in the first place. Anyway, she was like a celebrity stroke DJ who's getting into acting now, and it, it is what it is. Um. So, so there's that. Um. I mean, the thing that I found really, really funny and weird about her casting is that. You know what? I'm. I'm obviously. I'm not in a position to be allowed. Well, to to give certain judgments, but then I will also have an opinion. So I'm not female and I'm not lesbian. So I know some people would might turn around and be like, "Well, I don't. I'm not really allowed to have a say in who can be cast." But all the backlash that I read at that one point did nobody that have you know did I read anything that that I didn't read anybody say that well at least we've cast somebody who actually is lesbian to be playing a lesbian character. It was just a thing of like, oh, she's a shit actress, and 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 that was it. It was just like, yeah, she's a shit actress, um. So, and I just found it a bit weird that you know, well, not weird, but once again, they're judging somebody who hasn't even done the job yet. You, you understand? That that's that's the thing mm. that pissed me off. Like, mm. is that once again, once again, is upsetting? Like that, you know, that people have think they have they've got the right to make somebody's life hell. They don't have to like change their normal day to day of living just because they're not happy with them being casted. Then you know what? Here's another thing. Every, every single negative review that I read, nobody gave an alternative to who could play Batwoman. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, like, I'm um, somebody who... I have to admit, when she was cast, I was a bit like, mm, I don't know about that, because I kind of wanted and was hoping for somebody with a bit more acting pedigree than than her to yeah. to get the role um simply because you know when i think of ruby rose i the one thing that's never really kind of wowed me about her is her acting um yeah. i didn't think she was great in uh season 2 of orange is the new black um yeah. in a way she kind of brought the tone down for me um i didn't think she was good in john wick 2 i didn't think she was good in the new triple X and, and everything, you know, that I kind of see her in, it, it doesn't really convince me that there is 
um, you know, enough talent to carry what potentially is a very weighty character um, mm. in Batwoman because of, um, you know, kind of the the issues surrounding that character and the way that the the character has been written in the past in comic books. But that said, I mean, you make a good point. We we've not seen anything yet from her. We don't. You know, we have we don't have a clue what the the plan is with with this character from a creative point of view, and obviously, you know, the the producers of this series have seen something in her that has said to them, "Yeah, let's go with her," because presumably there there was an audition process, so she she must have come through against other actors and and really impressed the you know the producers and and the people behind the show. So, you know, we don't really have a right to kind of write her off at, at, at this point. Um, and I think, as you said, you, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. And I, I agree with you hundred percent. Um, people just seem to think they have a right to kind of ruin people's lives almost because they don't like the fact that they've been cast in a TV show or a film. It's, it's the weirdest thing. I mean, listeners, we've, you know, we've spoken about this many times. We did a podcast, um, where we tried to address, um, some of the keyboard warrior elements out there within the fan community and and how people kind of respond to, to things in a negative way just because they feel, you know, Twitter or Instagram gives them a voice so they can say what they like. Um, you know, it, it's it's disappointing. It's, it's really disappointing and, and sad. And I actually feel for, for her that she's had to go through that. But, you know... That, <laughs> Again, as we've said many times on this podcast, this isn't the first time and she's not the first one. Um, you know, there are lots and lots of people over the last two, three years who have faced th this kind of abuse. And, you know, whether you like her as an actress or you don't like her as an actress, I think we all have to wait and, and see what happens. You know, we have to wait until we see her first appearance or her first episode before we can start making judgments. Until that point, we, we should all just take a chill pill and relax and just be like, you know what the, the CW team, the, you know, Greg Berlanti and his team who've produced all these shows over these years, who've produced the flash Supergirl, legends of tomorrow arrow, which is in, now in its seventh season. You know, these people obviously know what they're doing. So it's not incumbent on us to turn around and say, oh, well, yeah, no, no, she's going to ruin this and she's going to ruin that. We don't know. Like, <laughs> you know, we, none of us here are, our writers, our directors, our, our filmmakers, or, or anything. We're just fans. So let's wait and see what they have served up for us. Um, did you want to add anything, Rich? Yeah, well, I mean, this is one thing I'm going to say as well. Um, take into account, like, see, these keyboard warriors, like, you know, like, you know, the main thing that pisses me off about them is that they always seem to forget that these are people, I mean, these, these are human beings. Take into account that Ruby Rose suffers from depression, and uh, and and it, and it's been a it's been a known thing that she suffers from depression as well. Mm. So I hope that any of those people out there that have kind of given her a hard time, take a step back and just look at your actions and like don't be a dick. And that, you know that like this is this wouldn't be this isn't the first time that someone's had to deactivate their account because mm. of like you know like you said because of like people just attacking them. And some people are able to just deactivate the account and just be pissed off about it and, and still go on. Some people it affects in a different way. Yeah. So you know what? So like I said, a lot of the people, like, a lot of the people out there that I saw that were making noise, it was a mixture of everybody. Like as far as I'm concerned, no demographic got off clean in regards to this to this casting for you know um, for Ruby Rose being cast as Batwoman. So be prepared to you know to be to be judged if bad shit happens. But I, I generally wasn't impressed, man. It, it really really upset me.
Yeah, it's, it's kind of pathetic, really, that we have to keep addressing this over and over again um, on the podcast. And I'm sure you listeners must be bored of hearing us talk about it. But, you know, frankly, human beings and, and people are, are not behaving in the way that they should be. Um, mm. You know, they're not showing the, the basic amount of respect that you show another person, whether you agree with them or not. Um and you know that's why we keep ending up in in these scenarios but either way i mean from a, a bat fan perspective um how do you think you know we're, we're going to get into the bat world do you think this rich this is a sign that maybe you know the shackles are coming off of the bat franchise in general on, on tv and that we might be using batwoman as a way into bringing in other characters from that universe as well uh, I, I think it is. I think it's maybe Warner Brothers, because basically it's up, it's up to Warner Brothers, I take it, whether they, they're allowed to use anybody from the Bat family. In yeah. yeah, yeah. So so this is what I can imagine only happening right now. I, I can see Warner Brothers are kind of just sitting down and, and just finally have to having to admit that one of the most popular franchises that they've got, they're not utilising it enough. So let's let's open it up a bit. Well, I mean, there's that, and just and let's be brutally honest. You know, the amount of money that they're losing, I reckon they must be shitting themselves as well. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So I, I think, yeah, I think it is maybe like a little bit of a gateway into into the bat into the bat universe. Um, I mean, they've already done it with Superman, mm. and that Superman that appeared in Supergirl, it wasn't even like Henry Cavill Superman or anything like that. Mm. So it, it is interesting that when they do open up, they they are actually not afraid to do other forms of castings and they you know and, and try to keep things separate just in case it doesn't work but they seem to be doing a pretty good job of it but i'm, I'm interested i'm really interested to see if that if they're going to go all the way through and introduce everybody from the bat universe mm. because you know once again yeah you know, i mean like as much as there's a big you know big uproar about um ruby rose being cast as batwoman i mean anybody who's new to like this this universe you ain't seen shit until you've seen like a casting for like a Batman or a Superman <laughs> or, mm. or a James Bond or a Doctor Who. Mm. So um, yeah, so let's let's see what happens from there. Yeah, yeah, for real. All right, listeners. Well, we're going to move on from that topic, but um, let us know how, what you think about Batwoman the TV show. I mean, are you excited for it? Are you looking forward to the show? Are you looking forward to seeing Ruby Rose play the character? Um, do you think it's going to be an extended Bat universe that we'll get? Let us know. Um, listen in to the end of the podcast, and you'll find out how you can get in touch with us. Um, but yeah, recently as well, we we got some news again um, early this week. It was in fact um, that the Academy. Awards is now going to create a new category for films um, that, boy, I'm trying not to be cynical here, but, <laughs> but films that they don't want to give a, an Oscar to, but are kind of compelled to give an Oscar to because the audience likes them very much. That's how I'm reading it, listeners. But anyway, they've created a new category for the next Oscar ceremony, which is called Most Popular Film. Um, we don't know a lot of details about what the qualifying markers are for that movie and, and how it will be graded as to which films uh, will be categorized within that and, and nominated. Um, but understandably, there's quite a few people who are quite miffed about this category change um, purely because 
as said, it's hard to not look at it and see it as something that's very patronizing and designed to keep genre movies out of the running for, for main picture Oscars and, and things like that. Um, Rich, what was your initial kind of reaction to it when, when you saw the news and, you know, how did you feel about it? Um, I thought, I thought it was a bit lazy to be fair. I mean, like, I can understand why they are doing it. And I think is, I think that the Oscars are basic. We're coming into an age now where, like, the Oscars, like, much like quite a few things in, in this whole world, they're starting to see that maybe they haven't moved enough of the times, mm. which, is, which, which is cool, which is fair enough. Um, but the thing is, there's a reason why you've got, like, well, it, it's weird because I, I don't want to sound like a, bit of, like a bit of a dick, but as at the same time, I think they're trying to get in new viewers because they just want to try and appeal to everybody because they think it's the right thing to do, which to a certain degree, it is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, I don't also, want it to, uh, yeah. Sorry, just to cut into you oh, there. Yeah, so yeah. The, um, the ratings for that show apparently have been struggling. So it's it, it potentially is a way of them trying to boost the ratings of the actual yeah. um, TV show mm. itself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, so, so you've got that as well. Um, but then most popular films... It, it, it's not really going to be... F- we're, we're, living, we're living in a time now where people are afraid to say what they really feel, which is a bit of a double-edged sword. So there's that. So, I mean, for example, I mean, at this, at this year's Oscar... I mean, Wonder Woman as a film, I think it's a really, really good film. If it's going to be based on the most popular, then you're going to get a certain demographic just going for that film just because they feel it should because it's never won something like that before. The same thing could be said for Black Panther. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it, I think it's a dangerous category to create in something like the Oscars. But then at the same time, the Oscars itself is so closed off as well, and there's so much politics behind it, that is neither, is, there's neither a right answer or a wrong answer. You know? Like, that, mm. I mean, if you, could, you could get like a whole demographic that could say that Call Me By Your Name deserves to be in that category. But then you'll be like, well, but hold on, wait a minute. It's Call Me By Your Name is what you consider to be like, quote unquote, a real film and not part of a franchise. So what happens when you, when you bring in a category like most popular, most popular film, when does it stop, when does it stop being a, a most popular film and start being an actual film, which is actually being done creatively, mm. which is what all films are. You've got directors, you've got, you know, you've got screenwriters, you've got light, lighting, you know, special effects, any, every, costume designers, everything. All films have to go through this process. So who is to say that, oh, because uh, I don't think it was done that well, but it's really, really popular. We should give it a, an, an award for that. That's a bit of a piss take. Mm. So that, that, that's, that's, why I, that's why I stand there in that. Mm. I, I, th- I think it's a very, very dangerous category. Well, it's, yeah, I mean, as said, I mean, the, 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 the problem that I'm having with it and how I'm I'm feeling about it is that it's you know it's very patronizing it's very kind of like well you know i suppose there's all these people millions of people around the world that go and see you know x movie and and go and see you know um transformers or wonder woman or you know all of these movies that bring in a billion dollars a year so um i suppose we should do something you know to kind of say yeah we see you but you're still not going to play with us like we still have our, our our 
you know, we have our club over here. This is for all the elite films. You know, this is for the, for the, like you said, the real films, the, the serious films, you know, you guys can go and play in your sandbox and we'll come over and check on you to see how you're doing. But the grown ups are going to go and have a drink and have some pims, you know, under a parasol somewhere. And that to me is, is what bothers me about the, the category because you know, for a long time, we've kind of felt, and, and I'm sure you feel the same, Rich, that genre film kind of gets um, snubbed a lot, you know, by these major award shows, even though it's genre film that most people go to see in the cinema, um, you know, overwhelmingly so. I mean, that's the bottom line. Most people, when they go to uh, to the cinema to watch a movie, they're going to go and see a genre movie. They're going to go and see a quote unquote popular film. So, you know, why can these films not be taken seriously and considered in just as much merit as something that, you know, somebody has has crafted and poured their heart and soul into and has tried to further the art of filmmaking in some way? You know, there's nothing wrong with with that type of cinema. We we want to enjoy it. Um, you mentioned, you know, Call Me By Your Name as, a, as an example. Um, you know, we all enjoy those movies, but why can't we have both? You know, why can we not enjoy each of them on their own basis and on their own merits instead of having to have separation where, no, you go here and this one goes here and that one goes there. Like, you know, why? It, it doesn't make any sense to me, especially when you consider that there are many, many popular movies, quote unquote, that to me are, you know, not just technical marvels in terms of, you know, the, the amount of... Um, technical work that's gone into bringing this this movie together but actually in terms of some of the things they do with storytelling and with character is is just as good as as any of the other movies that are held in in such high regard um you know and, and the performances the acting performances in these movies are getting better and better all the time the scripts are getting better the dialogue is getting better um, you know, the, you're getting more interesting directors working in these fields. So why can we not, you know, appreciate the, the, the fact that big movies, quote unquote, are, are just as artistic as, as, as some of the smaller movies that, you know, we rush to congratulate on Oscars night. So for me, I think that's what bothers me really about this, this category. Um, as I said, I don't really know a lot and I don't think the Academy have said a lot about how these movies are going to be um, graded and categorized and 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 who how you're going to qualify as a popular film in in that genre um but yeah i mean i i don't have a lot of high hopes for it it, it seems like a way of just sidelining certain movies to be honest um and keeping them out the running um but yeah you have any other thoughts rich um well the thing is <laughs> The most popular movies that are going to be put into these categories, they're the, they're the money makers. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. yeah, they're the money makers as well. So, mm. so, like, like I said, I mean, is it is it just going to be not based on? Is it going to be based on how much money a film makes? As to like, I don't, I don't know. Like, it's too much. It's too much of a vague category to mm. to put these films in. Like you said, and and it, and it just it just reeks of like pat like patronism, 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 patronism. That bad word where people what Jason said <laughs> earlier on. <laughs> that word, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, so I, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah. we'll see. 
yeah, I suppose all we can do is wait and see and, and, and wait until we hear some more information about the Academy and what it is they want to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, let's move on, man, because uh, there's not really much more we can say about that. But listeners, um, as I said, let us know what you think as well. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I've heard arguments on both sides um, as for, for and against this category. Um, you know, I know Jason Bloom, the, the famous horror producer, is, is quite in favor of it. Um, so maybe you're in his camp and you think this is a, a really good idea. If so, let us know. Let us know why. Um, we'd love to hear from you. All right. Well, we're going to move on now to the, the bulk of the, the chat today, which, um, as I said a little bit earlier, is, is kind of a bit about franchises because myself and Richard said we're having a, a chat as we usually do over um, a glass of water because we're healthy dudes. We don't do pints. Um, not, not unless we're getting legless deliberately anyway. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we were having a chat about kind of, you know, movies and, and where they're going and, and fan bases. And it got us into like the talk of franchises and the state of them right now and, and where they're going and stuff like that. And it dawned on me that a lot of people who, who watch these movies probably don't really know what a franchise necessarily is. Um, so I thought, you know, it would be a good fun conversation for us to have with you guys about you know, what we from as, as fans, what from our perspective, what franchises are and particularly as we have some of them doing quite well. I mean, Mission Impossible has released its latest um, action fest in the cinemas and has been well received by critics and, and is doing pretty well at the box office as well. So, um, you know, now's a good time as, as any really to to take a look at this and, and see where we go. So, um, Richie, I mean, in terms of like franchises and and kind of what they are. I mean, what, what's your understanding really, I guess, of, of a franchise is, I suppose, the question to ask. Okay, so my understanding of a franchise is a film that has more than one film attached to it. It's like anything, any, anything more than three. So like, you know, anything, no, because I can, yeah, anything, anything above two is considered, is considered a franchise as far as I'm concerned. And mm -hmm. then on top of that, there's also merchandise involved and other forms of medium in the media used to basically tell the story and also cash in. So, mm. so my, so basically, my, my, ex, this cat's trying to kill me. Um, my, my understanding of a, a franchise would be Star Wars, Harry Potter, um, S Star Trek, any, anything where it's not just contained to one film and it's more than one film and it's, and it, you can get everything. Jurassic Park. Dra the, the, the my standard of a franchise is not even Jurassic Park films, but it's Ian Malcolm's um, explanation of what Jurassic Park is. Is like where you take something and you and you package it and you give it to this person and you give it to that person and you, and you just in in so many different ways. So that's what I consider a franchise, and they're not always the best thing. But um, mm. but yeah, we'll we'll move on to that in a second. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess that's a pretty good explanation, really. Um, in terms of franchises, uh, I would think of them in the same way as you, really. Um, more than two movies, um, you know, with a whole kind of package deal, and when we'll get into the nuts and bolts of of the package itself. Um, but yeah, you know, something that is designed not just to be a, a critical success. Um, and a box office success, but something that's that just designed to have a, a wider cultural impact, um, you know, for people to become fans of a, a brand and 
for people to, you know, really buy into what this whole brand is offering, um, whether that be through merchandise or through ticket sales or through, you know, whatever else. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's pretty much like how I kind of have always understood franchises, but they, they've changed a lot over the years. Um, I mean, I guess if you look at it, the, the first kind of, um, you know, a lot of people consider the first true sort of summer blockbuster movie from Hollywood to be Jaws, um, the original film, because it was kind of the first film that came out in the summertime, um, in the height of summer, really, um, and was a box office success. Um, and it spawned, you know, a number of sequels and, and in a way, I guess, became its own franchise because they made a killing off of, you know, merchandising for that movie for T-shirts and stickers and, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and then obviously you've got, you know, Star Wars as well, um, uh, you know, which is one of the big early franchises um, to, to get in on the act. Um Star Trek, the Star Trek movies, I mean, although they were kind of spun out from the, the TV show, um, you know, those movies were, were I, I guess you would consider a franchise too, one of sort of the early franchises. Um, but as I said, they, they've kind of changed over the years. Um, what's kind of been the more sort of notable changes that, that you've noticed in terms of what studios are trying to do with a franchise or what they're trying to achieve? Um. Just what? Just you know, not, nothing's nothing's actually really changed. If anything, the only thing that's changed for me is that they now just they they're now is now even bigger. Mm. Like I said, like now, like like a franchise is is everything now. Um, although in saying that, I'm I'm just trying to think: is was it just easier? Is it just easy access now? Like I, th I think mm. I think when I think of franchise, I think of like Star Wars, and I think of like Transformers, and I think of things that you could watch the cartoon, you could have the cereal, you could have the lunchbox, you could have the you know the, the underpants and the duvet and everything, mm. Um, mm. and that that's pretty much the same thing now. Anyway, mm. I would just say that it's just done on a bigger scale mm. now. So now you have stores dedicated to that. Like, so you know you can go to the Disney store, and there'll be a whole section of di of the Disney store dedicated to marvel mm. or, de or dedicated to star wars um so yeah so so th there's that and then the way how they've also just integrated a lot of merchandise into just everyday ev every everyday everyday living mm. if you get my meaning so there's now things that used to be considered like just for kids but you know one of my, one of my you know lucas you know lucas a kid but when i go to one of his um his mom's um one of his friends um parents house they've got like a, a harry potter one collection on on the shelves and it's not for the kids it's for the adults mm. so it's one of those things where it's like that that's the good thing about a franchise and and how it appeals to the mass market is that now you don't have to feel guilty about liking a particular thing now you can now you can just be saying oh well, this is what i like and this is what i'm gonna have but um but in saying that if it, if anything has been done different i wouldn't say it's been done different i just would say it's been done on a grander scale now mm. Do you think that um, technology has has changed things in any way? Like in terms of you know the fact that we now have um, such a thing as social media, which didn't exist around the time of you know 
um, those early franchises around the time of Jaws and Star Wars and things like that. Do you think that's kind of played any part in the way that studios kind of um, look at, at how they're going to put together a, a franchise? Um, because as you said, you know, the, 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 the name of the game for the big studios right now is, is franchises. They all seem to want to have one. So, um, you know, do you think that's kind of played any part? Um, you know what? Yeah, it definitely has. Yeah, definitely. Like now, I mean, well, I mean, like you said, you've got like um, you've got both these, well, w- both Warner Brothers and Marvel bringing out their own streaming channels, and you're just gonna have people like I. I mean, I, I do things differently, but I know there's gonna be people out there who are just gonna be purchasing these channels just so they can continue like to be a part of this this franchise universe. So whether it be like just for the Marvel stuff or for the Star Wars stuff. So, yeah, so I think, like, internet has definitely, definitely played a part in in how it can be moved forward. But in saying that, it's, yeah, it's, it's just... Now it's available everywhere. Mm. That's the thing about anything to do with the franchise. You can get it. If, if you want it, you can get it. No matter what day it is, no matter what time it is, you, you, can, you can get whatever you want from that thing that you, that you, that you generally just love. Mm. So, yeah, I'd say that um, the internet has definitely played a big part in it. Mm-hmm, for sure for sure um and you know in terms of like what we were looking at earlier in terms of um the, the disney store being a spin-off of you know the the Walt disney studios um brand and and them kind of selling things through you know um all the the, the franchises that they own um selling all the merchandise for that through a disney store and, and, and things like that um what do you what do you think are the like the, the things that are key to making um, a franchise successful, especially a movie franchise, because we've seen some examples of of some that have that have been successful, um, and then others have fallen by the wayside. Um, so, do you think there are like sort of fundamentals in terms of, pardon me, in terms of um, the movies themselves, or do you think it's more kind of a split balance between the movie and the merchandise and capturing the public's imagination? Um, you know, what what are the things that you think? you would need to kind of consider if you were going to do that? Um, I, th- I think it's definitely a split down the middle as to like it being a good movie franchise and then a merchandise that comes along with it. But then at the same time, I think sometimes it's just about appealing to, like, appealing to that gap in the market. I mean, if you're, thinking, if you're talking about a franchise, I mean, a best, my example for that, what I've just said, would be the Fast and Furious franchise. There's actually no merch. There's actually no merchandise behind that franchise, if you noticed. Mm-hmm. But yet, it makes shit loads of money. Because especially considering that when the first film came out, it was a film that was meant to be taken quite well semi seriously. And as the films have gone on, they've become they've they've changed from you know like people that steal cars and do drag racing to essentially to essentially like you know secret agents working for the US government but mm. still doing elaborate stunts in cars and you know and flying through Dubai and stuff like that from building to building. So I think sometimes it's just appealing to that gap in the market and it doesn't necessarily have to be something good. It just has to be entertaining. Yeah. No, that's not gonna work for everything. Uh I mean like for example, I, I would consider like the Godfather to be a pretty good franchise. But it's not a good franchise because it's just like, oh, it's, it's just good for what it is. It, they're engaging stories that are like they're amazing pieces of film. Maybe not the third part, but that's down to that's down to like, um, <laughs> you know, to other people's opinions. Hmm. Um, so I think that, that I wouldn't say there's any any one formula that works because we've seen the build ups or like the lead ups to franchises uh, that have just bombed 
and haven't even like you know they're meant to be have like four films for the for, for the whole franchise set um, set over like x amount of years before they're released and some of them haven't even been finished so you've got like mortal instruments that wasn't finished um there was a divergent um franchise that 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 wasn't finished um so i think sometimes as much as like you might there may be like a blueprint there it's not guaranteed to work it it, it depends on the times mm. Yeah, I mean, I would say I think there's a few things that that you need to kind of get right. Um, I would say there's there's probably one of the key ones is marketing. Um, marketing your marketing game needs to be spot on because a lot of the the, the kind of high profile failures that that we've seen, like the Dark Universe that Universal were touted in, and you know Richard mentioned um, the Mortal Instruments universe and um, things like that. And I suppose you could kind of put the Maze Runner in there as well. Um, the marketing campaign was quite poor. Um, they they didn't seem to kind of pick up on getting people interested in the product and excited about the product. Um, and, you know, the social media game was, was not strong for either of those, really. Um, you didn't really see many kind of posts about... Um, the different movies that were coming out and things like that. And I think this is where kind of like technology and, and social media have played such a crucial part um, because I think the word of mouth element is is very strong with, with all of these franchises and even going back as far as Star Wars. Um, you know, when, when the first Star Wars film came out, loads of people didn't know anything about it and didn't know what it meant or anything. And it was the people who'd gone and seen it and had come out and have told other people that then kind of, you know, led to the word spreading and, and other people going, oh, you know, I keep hearing this this Star Wars thing is supposed to be good. Let me go check it out. And and so on and so on. And so it grew through that word of mouth. And in the social media age, I guess that's through people Instagramming, tweeting, posting on Facebook, et cetera. And it feels like some of those franchises haven't really haven't really been able to capture that that audience and, and the imagination of that audience and, and capture their attention effectively enough. Um, I think another thing that's important is making sure that your product feels relevant to the to the people that you're targeting as well. Because with, uh, again, to use the Dark Universe as an example, and I'm going to keep kicking that franchise because it made no sense to me whatsoever for, to begin with. But when you looked at the, the Dark Universe and what they were trying to do, it was, you kind of were like, okay, so who is this? universe being marketed to like where who, who is your audience and it felt like universal didn't really bother to check whereas with the fast and furious franchise um it's evolved because they've been looking at their audience and their demographic and going hmm you know we've got this quite young quite diverse audience um, that seem to want something that reflects kind of the things that they like so you know they like um, you know, they like the actors that we've put together. They like Paul Walker. They like Michelle Rodriguez. They like Vin Diesel. They like The Rock. Um, so let's put them in, you know, the, the, these movies. But they also like, you know, bigger stories. They like adventures. They don't want to just keep seeing, you know, street racing movies over and over again. They want to be told, you know, they want to be taken on a journey. And what they've done really well is 
as you pointed out, is they've not bothered to stick to the street racing thing anymore. They've gone, okay, well, let's, you know, now move these characters around the globe. Let's move them to Brazil. Let's see what happens if we drop them in London. You know, let's see what happens if they work on behalf of the US government. Let's see what happens if one of them turns rogue, you know, and and they do these these different things with it, which keep the franchise fresh and and which their audience um, obviously loves. Um, and you could argue that a similar thing, you know, um, Paramount have done a similar thing with Mission Impossible. And that's part of the reason why it's been so successful is because they've kept it moving. They haven't kind of stuck in in one, you know, in in one kind of mentality, in one style for the movies. They've, they've tried to change it up. They've brought in different directors who have different visions. Um, you know, they've known what their niche is and they've known the, the core things that make that franchise strong. But they've also been brave enough to kind of slightly you know change the format a bit to make sure that the audience that they have gained keeps staying engaged with it whereas with as said with the dark universe it was i have no idea who that was supposed to be aimed at i don't know if that was aimed at horror fans i don't know if it was aimed at action fans i don't know if it was aimed at the old the young women men who knows because they you know the the, the marketing campaign was muddled as hell and they seem to just be leaning on the fact that you know with, with regards to the mummy that tom cruise is a star so you know we'll just stick tom cruise in it and everybody will come because of him and it's like well you know no you kind of need a bit more than that um you know people who come to see tom cruise in the mission impossible movies are not just going to see tom cruise they're also going because they've bought into that world that the mission impossible movies has created they expect to see you know tom cruise doing his own stunts and to see you know big spectacle and, and things like that but it just seems like it's been very 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 you know rushed with with some of these other franchises so so for me i think that you know they're kind of the things that i i consider to be like the the key elements and the things that that really that franchises need to consider you know um any thoughts no well you know you just mentioned in the dark universe that made me laugh because you know <laughs> what they made they made one film and they were you're hungry what else did... okay we like some pizza what would you like? Pardon? Okay, then have. Okay, then have that then. You made a mess on my bed. Okay, thank you, thank you for that. Okay, okay. No, I'm okay, thanks. You just ruined my night. I'm, I shouldn't even say that. I'm joking. Um, okay, take it upstairs. I'll be. I'll be take it upstairs. I'll be. I'll be up in a minute, dude. No, no, I don't want any. You're putting it all over the chair. I don't. I don't want any. I'm not hungry. No, I'm okay, thanks. Okay, put it in my mouth then. Did you wash your hands? Um, what do you mean, um? Did you wash your hands, yes or no? Yeah. Okay, thank you. Okay, upstairs, please. Um, yeah, as I was saying, so the thing that made me laugh about the Dark Universe is that they made one film, and then they just made this big announcement that it was going to have Johnny Depp in there, Javier Bardem, and all mm. of these people. And I was just like, once again, it, like I've said before about... Luca, Luca. Some water, okay. Jay, give me two seconds. Audience, give me two seconds. Mm -hmm. Sorry about that, listeners. As you know, if any of you are parents out there, you know that parenting is a 24-7 job. So um, Richard has gainfully gone to take care of our guest star, Lucas Sky, for the episode. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I'll just carry on while he's he's off. 
but yeah, I mean, I do feel like for franchises, if you're if you're talking about um, you know building a successful franchise, then one of the key things really has to be how you consider um, your audience and knowing your audience. I mean, it will always be um, you know the key thing. Um, there are rare exceptions where you know people have not had a clue what the audience is and have just put something out and for some reason it's just captured the zeitgeist and that's been that. But generally speaking, um, you know, from what we've seen previously, you you have to kind of know your audience. So um, that's absolutely a, a key takeaway, I think. Um, but yeah. it sounds like Rich is back. So Rich, go yeah. ahead, man. Yeah, no, no. What I was saying is the thing of like audiences are we're smarter now. That's the thing. We're, we're a lot smarter. Like. You just can't say, okay, we're going to give you this film and you're going to take it and you're going to like it. That's the thing about about us now. And I think that's one of the reasons why going back, why this whole popularity category in, it, in the Oscars isn't, isn't going to work. Um, and it's just one of those things, like I said, you get these, you get studios just saying, well, I'm going to give you a Tarzan film. Like, who asked for a Tarzan film? <laughs> nobody asked, yeah, yeah no, nobody asked for a Tarzan film. Nobody asked for, nobody's asked for a mummy film. Nobody asked for a King Arthur film from Guy Ritchie. Not to say that, you know, that we're, we're being disrespectful because, you know, they make films. This is, this is what you do. Mm. But this is the thing about studios now. It's like, and compared to audience, we're, we're smarter. We would tell you what we want. Don't get me wrong. We might not always be right. Case in point would be a franchise like Star Wars. Mm. Yeah, we wanted to tell us about the story of how Anakin becomes Darth Vader. And when it does come in, we're, we're not, freak, well, some people aren't happy. Mm. But in the majority of the time, like, I think we, we kind of know what we want. And we, we're not easily fooled as we were back in the day now just like you said because of internet you know just because of internet just because like information is just like easily ready now so um that, that's the thing that i find fascinating about these franchises these franchises that get you know try to get rammed down our throats mm, mm. yeah for true for true i mean i, I have to agree with that 100 percent, man like it, it just you know, the, the the one thing to take away is that listeners is that, you know, <laughs> if you've got, you know, a couple million sitting behind a, a sofa somewhere and are thinking about getting in the franchise game, then, um, yeah, absolutely make sure that you know your audience and you kind of know what they want. And as Rich said, you know, the audience isn't always right. Um, as you said, case in point with, you know, the uh, Star Wars prequel trilogy, um, you know, <laughs> to, to say it's divisive is, is putting it mildly. Um, but you know, you, you've got to know, you've got to kind of know what they want if you want to have a successful hit movie on your hand. So, yeah, I would echo that, I said, wholeheartedly. Um, but speaking of Star Wars, um, you know, me and Rich were having a conversation in the week and uh, as said we'd love to hear what you guys think about this as well. Um, but Rich, you know, we were talking about what we consider to be like sort of the number one franchise right now um, in terms of popularity box office success um cultural impact and and so on and you know for a very long time it was star wars um star wars was considered to be you know the pinnacle um in terms of you know movie fandom and and the one thing that everybody kind of freaked out about and you know star wars everybody had a favorite star wars movie everybody had you know considers the the empire strikes back to be one of the greatest movies ever made um, now it seems like Star Wars is kind of struggling a bit as a as a brand. Um, audiences are are divided on in terms of the the recent movies that they've put out. And Solo was you know a movie that didn't do as well as people had hoped it would do. So now we're looking at this thing and we're thinking, hmm, you know, the the landscape has shifted. So we kind of were thinking maybe 
the MCU has kind of overtaken Star Wars in terms of its prominence in in, in popular culture um, and its place within you know the the, the pantheon of, of kind of successful movie franchises. Um, and I mean, certainly in terms of the numbers, it's hard to argue with the <laughs> against the MCU because you know it's pretty much been a box office hit from the moment it started with, with, you know, one or two minor exceptions. And even then it's, you know, it's debatable as to how quote unquote successful they were from a financial point of view for some of the movies. But, you know, generally speaking, every movie that's come out has been a hit with audiences. So, um, you know, Rich for you, like, what do you consider to be the, the number one franchise right now? Would you consider it to be star Wars or the MCU? Oh, MCU by far easily hands down. Hmm. Yeah, it it just is. I think Star Wars is in a state where it doesn't know what it wants to be. And I think it's trying too hard, too soon to please a large amount of people. And the thing about the Star Wars universe, or well, the fans for the Star Wars universe, is that essentially you've got a bunch of people that, well, a bunch of fans that are, are like, what, three, four different generations? Mm. So you've got so you've got people that saw the original, the original Star Wars in the cinema, at a pretty decent age, and then you've got people that saw the original Star Wars on TV, and then you've got so like myself like so I I think when it came out I wasn't even born yet I was born in like seventy eight, so I'm a I'm a I'm a, a Star Wars fan from television reruns so like you know, Christmas time and and and, and all and all of that malarkey, um, and then you've got people who have essentially grown up on the prequels and don't even consider the original Star Wars films to, to be that good. Oh, it looks old. The special effects look, look a bit rubbish. And it's just like, <laughs> wow, okay, that's, that's, that's generally different. And then you've got like a whole new generation now that are being brought up on like um, the Ray Finn and Poe Dameron trilogy. Um, well, but, well, duology, the, the third part should be coming out, what, next year or something. Right. So you've got three different generations that can't seem to make up their minds and almost, number one, they don't respect each other and look down on each other in in a, in a particular way. I mean, I mean that's that's how I view the, the Star Wars um, the Star Wars fanverse right now. Um, so yeah, so whereas like with the MCU, I think is pretty much a straightforward type of thing. Um, like you're, this is a, a case. This is one of the best examples of like, well, you know, this is our universe and this is what you're going to be given. You can have a little bit of input into it, but just remember, it's us making stuff for you. So you're going to have to take it and you're going to have to accept it. You know, you're going to have to accept it and trust us that we're going to give you the best possible franchise ever. Um, and it's and what they've done as well is that they've you've got the comic book side of the of, of Marvel of Marvel, and then you've got the the cinema part of Marvel. And they even though they may have certain things that kind of cross over, they're very much their own franchises in themselves whereas like with star wars you had a lot of like merchandise and franchise that tied into the into the films and when let's say for example this new trilogy or this or when disney acquired the rights to it all of that was left was basically made non-canon so you've mm. got a bunch of fans now who are not happy that the, the, you know the amount of time and effort and money let's not forget money that has been invested in this universe to keep this franchise alive has now been has now been sidelined and said well you know what Thanks a lot for everything, but yeah, don't worry about it. It doesn't really matter anymore. So I think that's the reason why 
the MCU is pretty much a, a stronger franchise than 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 Star Wars right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I would have to agree. I think like I've, I'm kind of at a stage at the moment where I'm almost more excited by MCU movies than I am by Star Wars movies. And, you know, I grew up loving Star Wars, but for some reason, you know, the MCU is is more, it just feels more relevant to me um, mm. at, the, at the moment. And I think that the the way that they've handled their different properties and the different um, ideas and the different movies and things like that has, has been quite innovative um, in terms of, you know, big scale movie making. And, and I like the fact that there is, um, you know, everybody kind of has their own favorite MCU character and, and connects with that character in, in a certain way. Um, you know, I like the fact that, but even though they like those characters, they don't, you know, hate others with, with a passion. It's just kind of, everybody just kind of says, oh, you know, Captain America is my guy or, or Bucky is my guy or Falcon is my guy or, or Black Widow or Scarlet Witch or, you know, they, they everybody kind of, um, as said, kind of has their characters that they resonate with, but there, there doesn't, and again, I'm, you know, I'm, I may be being a bit naive here, so if I'm wrong, please let me know, but it doesn't seem to me as if there is the kind of, I like this character and if you don't like it, fuck you. It doesn't. Mm. It doesn't feel like that. It feels like people just like the character and want to celebrate that character, whereas in Star Wars, especially at the moment, it kind of feels, uh, um, you know, divided. It feels like everybody's kind of gravitated towards a specific character, and if you don't get why they like this character, then they're going to have an argument with you. Whereas that doesn't seem to really happen too much within the the MCU. Again you know, as an outsider, semi-outsider looking in, um, that doesn't seem to happen. So there's a bit more unity amongst the fan base, which in turn means that people are willing to go and see movies that, that come out from the MCU, even if it doesn't star their favourite character or, you know, their favourite character is not being featured. Um, you know, people will still go and, and, and watch the movie anyway because it's the MCU. Um, and there seems to be a lot of trust in in the brand as well. Um, you know, people are, are, are very trusting of Marvel Studios and what they're doing with these characters because they've largely done a, a really good job with them. So, um, you know, whenever a new MCU movie is out, people are willing to give it a go because it, it's, you know, as said, there there is that trust within the, the brand at the moment, um, which I think is is quite interesting. So, yeah, I, w- I mean, I would probably have to agree. I think the MCU is is flying high right now. Um, but Star Wars, I mean, there's still a lot of plans for, for Star Wars going forward. There's, you know, we're hearing about live action TV shows that will be coming um, soon. You know, Disney has its, its streaming service, its video on demand streaming service that it plans to launch in the USA next year. Um, so it's obviously going to need content for that. So it seems like there's different, you know, kind of things that they've got in the pipeline for it. So we'll have to see kind of how, you know, Star Wars can recapture some of of you know that that loyalty from the the fan base i guess is the word i'm looking for um and and see how they they kind of go about doing that but yeah i would agree i think the mcu is is a world of running things right now man <laughs> um did you want to add anything else before we wrap it up with the franchises no i, I think i think that's pretty much it like um yeah mcu just can't it's, it's 10 years going strong um mm. and and if, and if i mean if you think about it well all good things come 
come to an end. And I think probably from next year, that's when we're going to see how strong the franchise is. Because uh, every franchise that, that generally does seem to do well for itself, after a certain amount of time, it, 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 does, it does kind of peak. Like, uh, hmm. Star, it's happened of Star Wars, it's, it's happened of Star Trek. Um, I mean, Harry Potter, I wouldn't say that, I wouldn't put that in the same category as the, like, a franchise that peaked because it was pretty much a set time period. You had hmm. books one to seven, and after seven, it's done. Everything else that comes afterwards is, uh, is you know, is, is going to be something completely brand new. Whereas, like, with some of these other franchises, there's it's almost like they're basically saying, well, you know what, we're gonna, there's not going to be any form of end to it. So that's a scary thing. So we'll see next year how how the MCU will fare, especially with the whole James Gunn, um, James Gunn, James Gunn being you know removed as a director for for Guardians of the Galaxy as well. Mm. But um, but yeah, but hopefully they continue bringing out good stuff and uh, they keep everyone happy, including myself and you and everyone else out there. Yeah, man, for sure, for sure. All right, um, before we go. Rich, uh, well, yeah. before we go, I mean, we're, we're not done yet, listeners. <laughs> we still got some good stuff to get to. But, but I guess before we, we move on from the, the franchise chat, um, what would you like to see as a movie franchise? Um, you know, is, is there something out there that like a property out there in, you know, amongst books or comics or um maybe the video game world something where you you feel like there's the potential there to capture an audience in the way that you know some of these other franchises have that we've talked about um do you see any gaps in in the franchise market where you think yeah you know what this thing would work perfectly um yeah is there anything out there that you that you've seen can, can it be can it be something that already exists or like well, I was in... thinking more things that don't exist, so things that haven't really had an opportunity to to get out there yet. Um, so, you know, as I said, books is kind of rife for that. You know, there, there's lots of um, franchises that have been attempted through books. So I don't know if there's, there's a particular book that you series that you can think of that you like. Mm. Or as I said, if there's a comic book character maybe that hasn't really had any representation on the screen or, or, or elsewhere. Um, so as I said, something that you think kind of could possibly connect with a, a wider audience in a way? Uh, I mean, I, 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 I read a franchise by, by an author called Wesley True called The Lives of Tao. And it's basically about a, a bunch of aliens that have been living on Earth for like, basically for, like, for millions of years. And basically what happens is that each alien is kind of like a, it has to, in, to, in order to survive on the planet Earth, it needs to have a host. Uh, and what it is, so, but each host has in one way or another well the main characters in one way or another have always been taken apart in like a in human history so for example you find out that hitler had the host and um and basically the, the, there's two alien factions you've got the good ones then you've got the bad ones uh some of some of the religion the religious aspects that we now have in modern society now they basically were created by you know by these aliens basically doing amazing things with with certain hosts and and how they were like you know writing human history, so I think I think that'd be a pretty good franchise because it'd be a nice touch of sci-fi, but also weaved into like stuff that we already know. Mm. Um, so I mean, like it, it'd be something similar to say like you know the reason why some of the entries for Assassin's Creed is really good. So you you basically got this character who who is completely made up, but the settings and the surroundings around the character are true to life. 
And so, so you know, so it's something that that you can feel a little bit more, a little, a little bit more attached to. So with the mm. last Assassin's Creed, like I think you're in Egypt, and apparently I think they said that they actually went to Egypt and they did they did map scans. So like when you're running around in Assassin's Creed, you're essentially running around in a in a, in a certain map that comes from real Egypt. And I thought that was amazing. That's beautiful. And then you then you're able to go and see certain like monuments that are that really do exist now that you can either you know if you, if need, if you, worst case possible scenario see on the internet or if you're lucky enough to travel go up and go and travel and go and see it. One of my one of my most favorite memories that I've got is basically my first travel my, my first journey to New York, and I remember going to Bleecker Street, and obviously Doctor Doctor Strange's Sanctum Sanctorum wasn't there, but I knew where it would have been. <laughs> you know, it, like if, if if it really existed, so I think so. I think that that franchise by Wesley Chu would would be really good because it'd be quite educational as well, which I think is something that's really really missing from from film right now. I don't I don't, feel, I don't feel that we get we get taught enough sometimes in films that that get put out there. We're prepared to like invest in a lot of I wouldn't say nonsense, but a lot of made up things. But you know what? Educate us at the same time. Keep us entertained and educated. You know, take a bit of a manifesto from the BBC. Um, although I hate paying TV, although I hate paying TV license. So I think that <laughs> that so that would be um a, a good franchise. Hmm. I'm I'm trying to think of another franchise that that would be that would be pretty decent or pretty good. You think of one, and I and I'll see if I can think of one while you're talking as well. <laughs> okay. Um, I was thinking of uh, a book series that I really loved. Um kind of read I started reading it as you know in my late teens and early 20s and um I still can't believe we've never had like a, a movie adaptation of any kind but um one that I really love is um the Gemmel uh books by books by David Gemmel called the the Dreni Tales um which is uh kind of set in a universe that's a bit like um a bit like the Lord of the Rings, I guess, uh, in in the sense that it's a, a sword and sorcery kind of fantasy world. Um, but what Gemmel did was he took a lot of cues from the real world around him. So he um, used a lot of different cultures and societies from around the globe and just included them in his his stories, but but gave them like a kind of sword and sorcery spin, basically. And he used it as a way to... Um, I guess give a little bit more authenticity to the universe, but also to address certain issues um, within different uh, societies and the way um, in which uh, characters are, are represented and the way in which um, people have roles within our society and things like that. Um, and I quite like it because it's, I mean, I'm a sucker for, as said, for sword and sorcery and, and fantasy and things like that. I love all of that. Um, but it, so it gives you the opportunity to do that. But there's so many books in in that series that, you can potentially spin off in loads of different directions. Um, one of the cool things about it is there are recurring characters as well. So there's some characters who have their own individual book that then pop up in someone else's book. Um, there's kind of, uh, there's like sorcery, there's, um, there's a group of like people who are able to see into the future they're like seers and and they can almost see into different dimensions and there's a certain part in the book where it hints at um 
his in, in one of his books that it hints that his world kind of runs parallel to our world and to the the real world and that these seers are able to see it and, and don't understand the, the context of it um and it never really kind of got fleshed out or explored too much but that but i love that idea as well um so for me yeah i i love that that kind of book series because i think it, it really has um, a lot of grounding. It's got a lot of diverse characters in it as well, so it ticks that box too. Um, and yeah, it, it's just like a really fun um, series that I think audiences will, will really connect with. So uh, for me, the Drenai Tales is is what I'd love to see on um, a movie screen, I guess, and, and as a movie franchise too. Um, you got your second one? Yeah, no, that's it. I'm, I'm out. I'm all, I'm all, all right. out. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Well, we'll draw a line under it anyway. We've talked a lot about franchises. Um, so, yeah, we'll move on. But listeners have said, you know, we, we do want your impact and your fee- um, your feedback with regards to franchises and how you see them going and things that you'd love to see as a franchise as well. So let us know what you think. Um, again, listen along to the end of the podcast and you'll find out how to get in touch with us. All right. Um, well, as it's been a little while, we decided that we we're going to bring back the question of the week and we're going to try and keep this consistent because I, I keep saying I'm going to do it and then we don't do it. And yeah, it, it all becomes a bit of a mess. So I, I do apologize, listeners. Um, that is on me. I need, I'm usually in charge of that and I need to kind of stay consistent with it but we managed to get a question of the week out on social media last week um and we got some really good responses to it this week uh, and it's been a lot of fun so first off if you're listening and you contributed thank you very much for doing so um definitely you're awesome and you rock and big up your chest and all of that um so we're going to go through some of the um answers that we got so we will start off with our instagram page so first of all to say that the question of the week is something that will always go out on social media so obviously if you want to engage with the question of the week you're going to have to be following us on social media so make sure you do that as said listen to the end of the podcast you'll find out how to do that um but we'll start off with our instagram so we've got quite a lot of responses here um first of all we got a response from serendipity uh she said that the first oh sorry I didn't even introduce the question, did I? <laughs> so, <laughs> that's a bit stupid. So the question of the week this week, um, guys, was basically what was the first memory you had of something scary that you saw on TV or on film? So it could be a, a TV show that you watched for the first time as a youngster and it freaked you out. It could be a movie that you saw for the first time and that scared you. So either one of those things, basically, what it was that that, that made you shit your pants um, or your pampers, maybe in the case if you were young. But um, <laughs> yeah, that's what we were kind of looking at, really. Um, so for me, I said that, you know, when I was growing up, there were kind of three things really that that scared me to no end and still bother me to this day um the first one is uh v the tv series um rich i'm sure you remember v with the the lizard aliens and things like that um listeners depending on your age you might be thinking of v that was rebooted um a few years ago with uh, marina baccarin in the lead role i'm not talking about that one i'm talking about the one from the 1980s I i believe it started in 1984 i think it was yeah um and specifically what bothered me about V was the way that the aliens used to hide inside human skins. And then when they were um, alone, they would rip their skin off and it would reveal this kind of lizard scales underneath. Hated it. They used to scare the shit out of me. Couldn't stand it, man. That And the fact that they ate mice as well. 
Oh, yeah. that, that killed me, man. <laughs> and the really eyes, it was the eyes. Remember the eyes? Yes, and the eyes. Yeah, 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 yeah. The eyes as well were, were oh, yeah, that was that was too much, man. That was too much for a young kid to take. <laughs> um, so V was definitely the first one. Second one was John Carpenter's thing. I, I've, I've talked about that before. Um, but John Carpenter's thing, you know, to this day, I said, still freaks me out, still kind of gives me goosebumps. It's, um, a phenomenal piece of, of cinema, but I really shouldn't have seen it at the age that I saw it at because I think I was about nine or ten. And, um, yeah, that really wasn't appropriate for me to, to be watching that. And the last one, this one's going to make you laugh, Rich. The last one is the Incredible Hulk TV series. Yeah, listen, standard. I used to hate <laughs> I liked the show and I enjoyed it, but I hated when, he, when, um, when Banner turned into the Hulk. Hated it. Yeah, yeah. Hated it. Because it sounded like he was in pain because he yeah. was like because his body was contorting and things like that. And and body horror is something that really like kind of bothers me in general. Like body horror movies, I really have a hard time with them because I hate seeing kind of people writhing in pain and things like that. It, it just really kind of gets me on a primal level. Um mm. so yeah, like the incredible Hulk TV show has said, as much as I loved it, like I used to kind of watch it with, you know, behind your hands, but you keep your fingers open so you could kind of still half see. That's what yeah, I used yeah. to do when I was watching it. Because I didn't want to miss anything like when the Hulk was on screen because he was badass. But yeah, the transformation scene I, I bloody hate that man. Um Rich, how about you, man? What what was the things that kind of shook you up first as as a kid well i mean well the, the thing for definite i can mm. actually tell you what scene it was well i'm, I'm a big john carpenter fan anyway mm. um but the, yeah but the thing the bit where is autopsy happening oh. after one of the members have, has fallen down yeah. and it's just this whole sequence of them just battling this alien um so you've got one bit where somebody's arms get get bitten off when he's trying to use a defibrillator to to bring him back to life mm. and then you see the resilience of this thing and that's the scary thing about it, because in order to survive, it detaches the head from the body and changes mm. into a spider and basically tries to run away. And this is probably the best response I've ever heard in any film ever. They, they basically burn this body alive and the head decapitates itself and gets the spider legs and it, and it tries to crawl off. And one of the guys just looks at it and goes, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Mm. That's perfect. Mm. That's perfect. Like you said, often Incredible Hulk used to scare me as well. And it, and it wasn't anything to do with body horror. It was just a thing of that. I thought he was just going to come and kill me. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, simple yeah. as that, man. Um, but then one, which I have to admit, like for some reason, this is how you know that certain memories basically stay with you and have, lo have long-lasting effects. But Michael Jackson's thriller, hmm. not the bit where he changes into, into, the, into the werewolf, but the bit when he changes into the, into oh, a zombie. the zombie dance. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. Mm. And you know what it is? And it's one of those things where I've sat down and I've, I've always asked myself, like, how come I'm scared of it still? But only one of the scary things in that video scares me. And I think it's because they make it very, very apparent that when he's changing into the werewolf at the beginning, it's Michael Jackson playing a character. Mm. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it's in the cinema. And it's the whole thing of like, it's not really, it, it's not really real and something that, you, that you're watching, which isn't real. Whereas, like, the bit when he changes into the zombie and then at the end where he basically turns around to the camera and, and his eyes turn yellow, is that mm. whole thing of, like, holy shit, like, it is real. Like, there, there, there's no... I mean, that, that's just, that just shows you how well of a video it was, you know, to be made, that it made you invest in it so much. So you've got a video and a video and you can, you're not scared of the video and the video because you know it's not real. 
and then basically at the end of the video that you're watching, you, you're so invested in it that when Michael Jackson turns around, you are like, yeah, you're you're the devil incarnate, and I'm scared shit of you, and um, and it still scares me now to this day. I actually can't watch the, the thriller video, and, and I'm a bit, I'm a grown ass man. So um, <laughs> yeah, so it's it, it's mm. definitely left a left a lasting effect on me. Cool, cool. Fair enough. Well, funnily enough, you're not alone on Thriller, but we'll we'll get to that. So um, as I said, these are uh, some of you listeners who've given us your responses. So we'll start off with Serendipity on Instagram. She said E.T. Um, and she actually gave a little bit of background. She said, I cried so hard when he was in the bag that my mum took me out of the room and I refused to go back in. I didn't learn that he survived the movie for years. Had no, I people, uh, no idea why people loved that movie. Um, yeah, the E.T., it, it's kind of distressing, that scene, it is. So I can understand that um, because I think I, I remember crying at the end of E.T. Um, no, not at the end, when he was dying on the table. That's when mm. I cried. Yeah, when, when he was dying on the table, I, I, I cried a bit. Um, I think E.T. It, 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 e. left a, <laughs> a lot of confused kids out there um, who saw it because, again, Stil Spielberg is just, he's just a bastard. Like, he doesn't care about, <laughs> about your kids. You need to learn that parents from now. He don't care. Like he he'll lull you into a false sense of security. He'll tell you, yeah, 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 don't worry, this is fine. It's a kiddies movie. And then he'll pull off some horrible, strange shit. And you're just like, What? I thought this was supposed to be for kids. Why is the hero dying? What's going on? <laughs> like so yeah, E.T., completely understandable. Um, shout out to Orlando Ali um, from the Orlando Ali show. He said strangers. Um Gergaroff from Instagram also said Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, shout out to Jay Dreams. He said The Terminator. Uh, Mr. O said Thriller as well, Rich. Um, he also said that uh, his family used to use Thriller to get him to do things. So, for example, <laughs> they would tell him to go get a drink for somebody. He would say, no, we don't want to. And they'd just say the word Thriller and he'd go and do it. I tell you, families are fuckery, you know. <laughs> Uh, shout out to O Central who said Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, Taylor Made Zimbabwean said it. Uh, Midwich Cuckoo said Thriller, Salem's Lot, and Melting Nazis in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, yeah, that's a that's a good one. Raiders of the Lost again, Spielberg again, bro. This guy's a bastard, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, shout out to Zach Zach Kadri. He said uh, The Fog and also The Omen. Um, Insoniac's Cafe said Child's Play. Uh, Jabmaster J said Shivers. Oh, wow, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, mm. proper classic. Uh, Parker.Hugh said The Exorcist. Um, and Justin Time Podcast said Event Horizon. Um, listen, some of you lot had a fucked up childhood, you know, if, the, if these were the movies you were watching. <laughs> Yo, your childhood was a mess. Anyway, so that was our Instagram comment. So thank you very much to all the Instagrammers who got involved. Um, Rich, do you want to grab the Facebook ones for me? Yeah, of course. Alrighty. Okay. So shout out to everyone who's who's obviously like you know got back to us with these with these um answers. Uh, first off, I've got Andy Bleak, uh, Doctor Who, Day Day of the Daleks, mm. which is like wow. Okay, that's, that's, episode, that's, yeah. that's yeah, that's pretty old. That's pretty old school. Mm. Um, he also said it and Pet Cemetery. So there's obviously a bit of a Stephen King theme <laughs> running, running through there. Um, we've got Alex, uh, Big Up Alex, Nightmare on Elm Street, the first one, The Cigarette Smoking Man from The X-Files. Mm. Um, yeah, you know what? That's, that's, that's actually 
one that I've never heard of before. But I can yeah. understand it's why you find this one. person scary. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. especially if, if you're of a certain age and you know, and you're watching X Files for the first time without any context, and there just seems to be this malevolent force sitting in a chair, often you know shrouded in silhouette, smoking cigarettes, who's mm. causing chaos. And you know, you can understand why that like someone might be scared of that, especially if they're young. So, um, yeah, that's a good one. Okay. Sorry, go on. Uh, no, no, sure. Uh, next one we had Josiah uh, and his one, which is like, listen, uh, <laughs> we've, got a lot of, we've got a lot of followers out there who are not from the UK, but trust me, man, like every kid of a certain generation will basically put their hands up and say, yeah, this shit the hell out of us as well. Mm. But it was the introduction to a show called Tales of the Unexpected. The introduction to the show was scarier than the show itself, and the show was scary. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love to see a remake of Tales of the Unexpected. Although I'm saying that in a in a in a sense that yeah, I'd like to see it, but I don't really want to see it, yeah, <laughs> especially yeah, if it's exactly. going to keep that same theme music. I really don't want to see it. That theme music was creepy as yeah, hell. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So big up to Josiah for that. Uh, Jane, uh, she said ET. Um, so I, I can only assume that you must be talking about the whole of ET. Mm. Um, so yeah, so James, we've got Muppets Christmas Carol. So the ghost of Christmas future. Mm. And I have to admit, I don't think I've actually seen any of the Muppets films. I was a big fan of the TV show mm. and like, you know, and the Muppets, you know, the Muppets cartoons uh, or Muppet, Muppet babies, or whatever. But I don't think I've ever seen any of the actual movies. So I, I'm actually gonna have to peep that to see how scary it is. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Again, I can understand that because if you're a certain age and you're watching that, it is quite scary the the ghost of christmas future is always quite intense i mean if you're familiar with the christmas carol story in general then you know even if you go back to the original tale by um it was charles dickens wasn't it yeah even if you go back to the original tale by charles dickens like you know the ghost of christmas future was always the most intense part of the story and the scariest part of the story um and the muppets do yeah damn good job of it so so yeah that's definitely worth watching that one i would say um cool that's it for facebook yeah yep that's it facebook cool all right um we'll go into the twitter answers now so um thanks again to everybody on twitter who got involved um we've got some quite diverse answers here as well which i quite like um so we'll start off with the main man kale uh, big up to you he said um his first kind of scary movie memories are watching aliens and halloween the john carpenter version um launching the pilot said space 1999 and particularly an episode called dragon's domain um okay. i had not heard of that that episode at all so i actually had to go and look it up um mm. and it's quite it is quite intense for tv like this it's space 99 by the way 1999 by the way for those outside of the uk is um a very old uh british sci-fi tv show um and yeah it's kind of intense man like the 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 you know the bbc and that they never used to hold back back in the day like yeah, yeah. They, they didn't play um and yeah this was quite an intense episode so yeah that was a good shout um tv in space said nightmare on elm street the first one um jed a big shout out to jed he said uh chucky the tv show wow. used to scare that him. is old you remember that show <laughs> yeah. jed? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Listen, that was scary. <laughs> that was scary, yeah. bro. <laughs> mm, it was. It was. It was not an easy watch, Chucky, at all. Um, so, yeah. And he also said uh, the theme song from Tales of the Unexpected. And we also spoke about 
um, the episode that freaks me out the most. It's the one that always sticks in my head for when I think of Tales of the Unexpected, um, the episode Royal Jelly. Remember the one, um, Rich, where it's about the bee people? And they're trying to yes, um, kind of yes. increase their population and bees yes. kind of live in their mouths and things like that. As soon as they open their mouths, like bees come flying out and, and will sting people to death. Yeah, that that was some nasty shit, man. <laughs> like, that mm, was crazy. Mm, mm. So, yeah, I mean, again, if you're not familiar with Tales of the Unexpected Listeners and, and you want something to make your skin crawl, go and watch that show, man, I'm telling you. Um, shout out to Stacey's Parlor. She said uh, E.T. as well. So, again, Spielberg is is messing with people's heads here. Um, and Terminator 2, in particular, the nuke scene, where, remember the dream sequence where Sarah Connor is watching the kids and then the nuclear explosion goes off? Yeah. Um, and Sarah Connor gets, like, her skin kind of gets melted away from her and there's just a skeleton holding onto the, um, onto the wire link fence. Um, Stacy mm. said she was quite young when she first saw that and it, and it really freaked her out. Um, and I think, you know, that effect is, is so intense as well and it's so brilliantly done. Um, you know, because we spoke about this on, on Twitter as well, and, and we were saying how the effects in general on Terminator 2 are are just superb. Like, they still hold up to this day. And that scene in particular is is an example of, you know, just how well um, James Cameron and his team worked on that movie. So, yeah, definitely I can understand that one. Um, Release the Clowns, uh, they came up with some really two really good ones. <clears throat> they came up with Night of the Hunter, and Cape Fear, the, as in the original Cape Fear, both oh. of which starring Robert Mitchum, yeah, yeah. Um, who was, you know, a, a fantastic actor and, and just brilliant in both of those movies because he's just so freaking intense, um, especially in like, Night of the Hunter. I remember he has love and hate tattooed on, yeah, on each yeah. of his hands and, you know, um, yeah, just brilliant. Brilliant, man. Absolutely brilliant. Um, Michael Wong Gifts, who's, which is my new favorite Twitter account because they do nothing but gifts of Michael Wong, and I love it, um, said Aliens or Return to Oz, which it's I thought was an interesting yeah. one because Return, Return to Oz, Oz is, like, yeah, it's unnecessarily dark as well, which is what we were saying on Twitter. It's just... Although, but to be fair, you know what? The actual books for the like Wizard of Oz and everything, they're actually dark books anyway. It was, oh yeah, yeah. yeah true, I yeah. think I think the original Dis was it the Disney film that was mm. done with Judy Garland. I mm. think that well, if not Disney, but that film that we all know, that was like very very light hearted and compared to the books. I think mm. the books actually might be closer to the source material than than what we're than what we're used to. But nevertheless, that shit was still scary, man. That was like that was just mean. <laughs> so, mm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um... So yeah, yeah, definitely. Return to Oz was was, yeah, man. It was just unnecessarily dark. Well, as Rich said, it's not unnecessarily dark, but still, yeah, that's understandable. Um, Comics in Motion said Jaws. Uh, Genuine Chit Chat said The Blair Witch Project. Uh, Pipe and Hot Tea said Children of the Corn, um, which is another one that that bothered me as well because I saw that quite young. Um, Sharp the podcast said Hammer Horror. So, sorry, Hammer's House of Horror. Oh, wow. Um, I don't know if you, yeah, you remember that, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That was an awesome TV series, but yeah, that was kind of creepy as well. Um, Rick Bebop said, uh, The Incredible Hulk TV show. I'm glad I'm not alone. Thank you, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ending Pending said, uh, Matilda and in particular the Chokey. 
um yeah i remember watching matilda with my little sister and she was yeah terrified of the choki so yeah that's the, the i can understand that um and last but not least uh blobber said the knight of the demon which is like way old school as well way and obscure man that's like early 90s video shop obscure bro <laughs> the night of the demon is proper old school so yeah shout out to you for for coming up with that one um yeah so again thank you everybody for for getting involved man and um as said we had some really brilliant answers here um as said i am also concerned about some of the childhoods that you had given some of the answers you've given us um it seems like some of you have been watching shit you shouldn't have been watching um but it's understandable i think but et man et's had like three votes bro yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, as said spielberg is is a son of a bitch he really is i'm sorry Stephen, if you're listening but you are like you hurt a lot of people's childhoods with your madness man because i mean in our um richard and i are, are members of a whatsapp group and we were talking about poltergeist the movie and how you know <laughs> yeah. that movie has freaked out like most of us um in the group and you know that movie when it came out i believe had a pg as well like if in fact i think if it, i mean i may be wrong but i think that poltergeist was the movie that prompted the american censors to come up with another censorship category um outside of r because pg was obviously way too low for for this yeah. movie yeah. um because a lot of people were taking their kids to go and see it and things like that because it was a spielberg movie and because it was rated pg and then not realizing what the hell they were getting themselves into because there's some really intense scenes in that film i mean we talked about the um the meat that moves along the counter by itself oh, <laughs> and no. then explodes into packets. <laughs> you know the dude who starts digging his face out in front of the mirror and stuff it's just mm. yeah it's, it's it's crazy, man. Spielberg's got a lot to answer for, man. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, really yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, a, he's a meanie. In real he life, is. he's a meanie. <laughs> he's mean. The guy's just mean. All right, well, that's going to do it for us for this episode. Um, thanks a lot for listening. Um, Rich Kid, uh, do you want to let people know where they can find you at? Yes, Instagram, Rich Reviews, and also Instagram, Rulong Talks. If you want to head over to our, or, 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 to our blog as well, www.rulongtalks.com. Uh, and we've also got Woolen Talks on Twitter and Woolen Talks on Tumblr as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, just want to say a couple of quick things before we go as well. Just a quick thank you to Rob Wade um, and the guys at over at emotionally14.com. Um, thanks for all the help with everything. Um, they plug us every week, every time we do a new episode. So thank you very much. Uh, make sure you head over to their website as well. Um, again, you'll find details of that at the end of, of this podcast, but um, it's well worth a visit. Also, um, thanks a lot to the Britpod scene crew, um, who, again, who also offer us lots of support and, and guidance as well and, and help to get Wulong Talks out there. So um, if you like what we do, then definitely go and head out to the Britpod scene um, and check out what they've got too. Um, and also, yeah, just to let you know that we've got the Bebop rewatch, which will be restarting again very, very soon, uh, where apologies for the, the the breaks in between there we've just had different life stuff going on um but we'll be up to session four and session four will be with you very soon as well so if you're a cowboy bebop fan and you know what even if you're not a cowboy bebop fan give it a listen check it out you never know you might like it you might be interested in checking out one of the greatest anime series ever made um so make sure you look out for a new episode of the bebop rewatch soon
Okay, that's going to do it for us this time. So uh, let's get the hell out of here. Rich, say goodnight. Sayonara. And I'm saying goodnight too, and I'm out of here, people. Take care of yourselves, and we'll see you next week. Peace. Thanks for listening to us. If you're down with Wulong Talks, show some love by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Wulong Talks. You can also find us online at www.wulongtalks.com or drop us an email at wulongtalkspodcast at gmail.com. We can also be found as part of the Britpod Scene Collective and we're also officially E14 endorsed. Search for those hashtags to enjoy more content from us and from other great British podcasters. 